This message first aired on the radio on June 18, 2004. Well, we're in the end of the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, and we read that uh, there's a marvelous building going on. This disclosure that the Jewish economy, that the Mosaic economy is finished, and that now God is doing something new only with a new man, and that there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile, whereas that's not news to us. It was certainly news at the time of the writing of the epistle to the uh, uh, churches, including the church at Ephesus, or as this epistle circulated. And the new, the thing that was different was that God had finally given Israel its last chance. Something happened at the end of the book of Acts, Acts 28, 28, where the apostle Paul, sitting in under house arrest in Rome, as the Jews came to him that were in Rome, and he said, uh, the, the word of God is now gone from you and taken to the Gentiles. Something is noted there. Now, whether that's a precise time or whether the precise time was in Acts chapter 20 before the apostle uh, went to Israel and was rejected uh, there by uh, the, the Jewish, uh, both the, the Jewish believers who were zealous for the law as well as the Jewish nation. Uh, whether the, whether the time was exactly uh, then or the time was exactly at the end of the book of Acts, chapter 28, verse 28, or some few uh, moments after that or just before the writing of the epistle, epistle of the Ephesians, I don't care to argue about exactly the moment that it came to pass uh, that God was finished and had set Israel aside. Certainly, the the epistle of the Romans teaches us about the setting aside of Israel. Uh, we see in the book of Acts, right at the end, that the apostle uh, has some pretty strong words for those Jews who came to him. Uh, he said, Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, in verse 25, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their eyes are dull of hearing, and they ear, their ears have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. So it, here's the prophecy of Isaiah, where the children of Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, uh, fulfills uh, that their hardness of heart, and uh, therefore makes them qualified to not be healed and not to be converted nationally. Then the apostle says, Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning, or they had great arguments among themselves. Well, uh, whether or not uh, it happened exactly at that moment or some time later, certainly by the writing of the epistle to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is no longer uh, addressing any notion of separate but equal. He's not uh, giving any quarter here. He's saying that God is building a different house. Now, I don't think that the temple had been destroyed at the writing of the Ephesians. I don't know anybody who does. But the imminence of the destruction of the temple uh, is a shadow uh, cast over the entire Scripture. The knowledge that it's going to be destroyed, the implications of what that means, the rejection of the nation of Israel, of the Messiah, really three times uh, the ministry of the of the uh, uh John the Baptist, the greatest of the prophets and the last of the prophets of the Old Testament prophets, the ministry 
of the twelve and uh, the and and Stephen and the ministry of the apostle Paul those rejections following the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ himself uh, <clears throat> brought to pass the national setting aside of Israel but in the grace of God there's a remnant according to grace and so God hasn't where has he set aside the nation of Israel nationally he has not rejected uh, every Jew and uh, the Jew as well as the Gentile can receive Jesus Christ as Savior and when God destroyed allowed the temple to be destroyed by the act of the Romans when he did that he signified uh, and he precursed that uh, uh, that uh, destruction by tearing down the uh, the uh, veil separating the holy place from the most holy place uh, when that all happened uh, of course God was at work building a new temple this one a temple a spiritual temple being built out of living stones uh, which is what Peter uh, tells us and maybe we'll have time even today to look at that but we're going to instead of just plowing ahead into the third chapter of the epistle of the Ephesians we're gonna look through some of the New Testament scriptures uh, about the temple and uh, just to see its position uh, with respect to the economy uh, the mosaic economy which was being wrapped up and with respect to the transitionary period into this present dispensation which we have called the church which is his body the fullness of him that fills all in all we take that from Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 22 and 23 so let's start by looking at the Gospel of Luke uh, here is the ordinal account of Scripture uh, those of you who listen to BibleStudy.net know that we reject the commonly held notion that Luke was a Gentile. Uh, we think he's a Hellenistic Jew, uh, the, the Lord, and the reason we think that is because he has a Greek name named Luke, but we also know that the Lord promised that he gave his word to Israel, and he wouldn't give it to anybody else, and so... Uh, we don't go along with those who say that even if Luke was from Macedonia, that doesn't preclude him being a Hellenistic Jew. And we don't go along with those who say he's a Gentile. But we look at Luke chapter 1, and we look in verse, all oh, about verse 9 here, and we see uh, something of what, uh, well, we'll look, start at verse 8. Uh, this is now uh, uh, talking about Zacharias, who's the father of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist the precursor to the Lord, the one who foretold the Lord, the coming of the Lord Jesus. This is about John the Baptist's birth, and Zechariah and his wife had no had no child. Uh, his wife Elizabeth had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Verse seven of Luke one, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass while he executed the priest's office before God in this in the order of his course. And here he's in the course of Abiah, so he is in one of these uh, uh, 23 courses of the uh, Levitical priesthood here. And uh, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and shall have, uh, thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. 
For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn their hearts to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show ye uh, thee, uh, these glad tidings and behold thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that thou th- these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season so he wants a sign uh, he gets one uh, it's not a very happy one he would have been better to walk by faith in this matter but in any case here we see the inauguration of the ministry of John the Baptist and of course this a marvelous thing and this to the nation of Israel and notice what he was going to do he would prepare turn to the Lord the children of Israel and he would be go, go before uh, the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah so here is now the ministry the spirit and power of Elijah he would serve as Elijah the prophet uh, as if Elijah the prophet to the children of Israel and notice that this transaction takes place with Zacharias in the temple in the temple the home plate uh, of uh, judy of, of the of the mosaic economy and so john's ministry ordained in the mo in the holy place here uh, this is not the, this is not the temple precinct but the temple proper and this is where the priest uh, there's a course of priests they have their different order the levitical priests each took a couple of weeks and here zecharias is doing his couple of weeks and his course which is to light in incense and god sends the angel gabriel to him and says now john the baptist is coming and so this as we see opening up in the uh, gospel of luke the first chapter this we see is god's approach to the nation of israel he's sending the forerunner he's sending elijah the prophet in the in the spirit he's sending the spirit and power of elijah the prophet in the form of john the baptist who by the way is the greatest of the prophets because he had the most important work of the prophets well our focus is on the temple and notice that the temple uh, itself proper is in association with the ministry of john the baptist now, that means that the jewish nation should have listened to john the baptist should have followed him and been baptized which the Pharisees rejected. Of course, the Sadducees scoffed at the notion. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the many of the leaders of the people refused the baptism of John the Baptist. They refused to be prepared for the Messiah. Uh, they didn't want Messiah to come right now. Not now while we have our good deal going. I've known businessmen who've told me, well, I'll, and I've told them, I think the Lord's coming as soon. And they say, well, I hope not, not while we're just starting to make it rich. Well, that's somebody that doesn't love the Lord's appearing, doesn't value his appearing. Here you see that the the nation of Israel was supposed to be ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God sent John the Baptist to do that very thing. Now, we look at John chapter 2, and we'll see a context of the temple again. And here is the Lord Jesus Christ in the temple. 
And we want to pay special attention to what he says here. It says, The Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple uh, those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. Now here he, we believe he finds them in the portion of the temple that is the court of the Gentiles. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. We've talked about this before. Uh, today, God's building a spiritual temple out of living stones, and the warning is, don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. Quit selling the people of God. Uh, quit selling the stones. And that's what's going on today in the temple that God's building, by the way, is the stones are being sold. They're being sold out. They're being marketed uh, by those who are covetous and uh, are not doing the Father's will. And, uh, of course, they're running around loose uh, in the house. Well, that's not our main point. Our main point is coming up here in the 19th and 20th verses. But his disciples remember that it was written, The zeal of thine house has eaten me up. Uh, so they remember that the prophecy concerning the Lord is being fulfilled there. And then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that you do these things? You know, what, on what basis do you clean up the house of God? And here's the sign that Jesus said in, in answer. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And then the Jews said, Forty-six years was this temple in building, and will you rear it up in three days? Verse 21, But he spoke of the temple of his body. So the Lord Jesus Christ now was referring to his person, his body, by the way, as a temple. There's a clue there, because the body of Christ, the fullness of him, who fills all in all, is going to be his body, the church. So he, t he speaks there of the temple of his body, and immediately uh, we see that that physical temple doesn't matter a bit in light of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the one that matters. He is the one who matters. And the temple itself was just about him, and of course that temple is not going to last. But his body is going to last. He's going to rise from the dead, as we learn in Ephesians, set down in the, in the highest heavenly places, and then he is going to establish his body in replacing uh, the temple, which has become meaningless. Now another scripture we can look at is in the 23rd chapter of Matthew. This will help us as we continue to study uh, the significance uh, of the temple and where it's headed. Uh, we look at the, oh, about the, uh, oh, let's look at the 33rd verse where he says, You serpents, you generation of vipers, how will you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. Now, well, what is, what is this? 
uh, here the Lord is pronouncing uh, judgment upon the nation of Israel, and he says, Some of them you will kill and crucify. He, they killed our Lord Jesus Christ. They crucified him. Uh, we, uh, history teaches us they crucified Peter. Some you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. Well, that's what happened to the Apostle Paul. He was hounded from city to city. He was uh, beaten he, he, uh, uh, many times, uh, both with rods, and he was uh, uh, given 39 lashes. Uh, that upon you may come the righteous bloodshed uh, upon the earth, uh, all uh, may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah the son of Berechiah, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. This is a reference uh, to to uh, uh, Zechariah the son of Berechiah, uh, and uh, this was uh, uh, this is uh, Jewish history. We don't find it in the scripture, uh, and uh, he was uh, uh, martyred in in the way, just exactly the way uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ said here. Now he says, Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. And so, uh, uh, now he goes further. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thee together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. So here is now the prophecy uh, of the Lord, and he's talking about the temple here when he says, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And uh, so here uh, he's telling them uh, very emphatically, uh, this is no longer my father's house. I get it. This is your house. You're going to make it your house. It's going to. It's left to you desolate. And of course, it will then suffer the consequences of uh, their own uh, ways. And that will be to be destroyed by Rome. We're going to come back in a minute. You're listening to BibleStudy.net. And I'm John Malone. Well, we're looking at the progress of the temple uh, site, and uh, we know that it's going to be done away because we're now going to turn to Matthew chapter 24. This is the great prophecy of uh, the Lord concerning the future of the nation of Israel. Matthew chapter 24, uh, some things difficult to understand and to put into proper timing, but this portion that we look at today, very simple uh, to understand and look at the timing. Jesus went out, it says, and departed from the temple. Now there he, he departed from the temple proper. When we see the word temple, in the scriptures, it can mean one of two things. Uh, there is the uh, the uh, the temple proper. There is the the the, the temple itself, uh, which is uh, a, a single structure. But then there is also the courts around the temple, many structures around the temple, and. Uh, uh, they are the buildings of the temple. We see that here in the first verse where it says his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And these are different courts and towers and wings and uh, different uh, places, uh, uh, certain halls where uh, Inquisition of the Apostle Paul was made, for example. And uh, they came out and they uh, uh, 
the disciples came uh, to show him the the wonderful things. And I'm sure they said something like, wow, look at this. Isn't this magnificent here? Lord, here we are. Look at these magnificent buildings. Here is our national pride. Uh, what a wonderful capital we have. And the Lord uh, says in verse 2, Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, here, that's stunning to them, and then he launches in to talk about the time of the end. And by the way, he first points out that the temple will be thrown down. And then they ask him, uh, privately say, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of the co- thy coming and the end of the world? Now, or the end of this age. Now, before all that even comes into focus, the Lord prophesies, the destruction of the temple. And he does it in a precise way. He says, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And literally, uh, that happened in 70 AD with the destruction of the temple by the Roman legions under Titus. And uh, so the temple now is prophesied by the Lord Jesus to be thrown down, not one stone lasting upon another stone. This known by the apostles, this most certainly known to the apostle Paul, who communed with the Lord Jesus. We think he communed with him uh, at the, in the Arabian desert, perhaps even at Mount Sinai, and at other times. And so certainly known to the apostle Paul that this prophecy was in place, and that it was going to happen, and uh, that it would happen at the national rejection of Israel of the Lord. Now you say, well, the Lord prophesied that this was ha- would happen, and yet he made a real offer to to the Jews that uh, that that this uh, that they could uh, turn to him and that he'd come back. Well, listen, even if he did come back, he wasn't going to leave the temple, uh, that temple, the way it was there. He will build the millennial temple. But understand, there was no possibility, and God knows all things, that they were going to accept the Messiah at that time. Uh, because, of course, God doing a greater work following this, which is to establish the spiritual temple, which we read we read about in Ephesians chapter 2. And to those of you that weren't with us yesterday, let me now read uh, what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, where it talks about both Jew and Gentile being reconciled unto God in one body by the cross. Uh, it says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and, and, and household domestics, or household servants of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner, in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And so we see that the Lord Jesus Christ is set in. He's going to be the chief cornerstone, as as Peter says, you as living stones built upon that. The foundation work leaning up against that cornerstone are the apostles and the prophets. And so the that was the apostolic church, marked out also as the Pentecostal or charismatic church. Really call it the charismatic church is a better notion, uh, where the charismatic gifts were visited upon them, God certifying who were his messengers. Now that's foundational work, that's all been done, but God continues to build together a habitation of God through the Spirit as he adds living stones. Well, who are these living stones? These are those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and become a new 
creation uh, join into the new creation we're new creation in christ and we are the living stones we are the temple god is building today because god saw to it that the temple of yesterday the temple of uh, shall we say 69 a.d was destroyed uh, as the jews rejected uh, those who brought the truth to them just as the lord said they crucified uh, some and they beat others and chased them from city to city, typified by the Apostle Paul. Now we look again here in uh, Matthew, the 26th chapter, and we can see some further developments that go on with respect to, uh, to the temple. And we'll look at Matthew chapter 26 uh, and verse, uh, oh, verse 59. Uh, you remember that the Lord Jesus Christ, they asked him for a sign by which in John chapter 2, he uh, cleansed the temple and he says, uh, uh, where the apostles noticed and the disciples noticed that the zeal for his house consumed him. And they said, by what sign do you do these things? And he said, well, you, uh, you destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. And he spoke to them of the temple of his body. Now here are the false accusations against him in Matthew 26. Uh, it says, Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and elders, verse 59, Matthew 26, and all the council sought, sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet they found none. At the last came two false witnesses. So many came to try, but they couldn't get a good testimony. At last came two false witnesses, and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God, and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose, and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that, t that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. So you see, now the high priest knew who he was, and uh, Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming into the clouds and coming in the clouds of heaven, or the, the Shekinah glory. Then the high priest rent his clothes, by the way, an illegal act, saying, He has spoken blasphemy, another illegal act. The high priest not entitled to lay a charge uh, to, to anyone. Uh, what further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? Well, all this illegal, of course, but the point is this. Uh, they they had a charge against the Lord that he said he would tear down the temple and build it up again. Of course, they couldn't get, he didn't say that, he, he was speaking of the temple of his body, but in any case, they couldn't get two witnesses to agree, but significantly, notice this is a charge uh, that they would use to execute him with if they could sustain it. They are so proud of that building, and yet... Uh, they are rejecting the Messiah at the very time. What a contradiction that is. Well, uh, not only did the temple serve as a, a something to accuse the Lord about now, and this is the house left unto them desolate, understand, but it is also a place that ends up containing the bounty or the, the uh, bounty that, that Judas, who betrayed the Lord, Received And it, it tells us in Matthew 27, for example, uh, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, 
repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Uh, and they said, What's that to us? You see to that yourself. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple. There, as you see now, the temple, the sanctuary. This is the temple. This is the centerpiece. It now contains the 30 pieces of silver, which was what they paid Judas to betray the Lord. And he went out, and he was hanged. And so uh, here, uh, we won't go into all of that, but uh, that that is now... Uh, the, what the, their ho- desolate house now contains 30 pieces of blood money and the chief priest took the silver piece that it's not lawful to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood and they took counsel and they bought with it the potter's field to bury strangers in wherein wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day and of course it's called the field of blood unto this day not only because it was bought with blood money but because Judas was hanged uh, probably and most likely in midair and uh, snapped like a twig by Satan who was in him and his bowels gushed out it was a horrible horrible event well uh, this now the kind of things that are taking place in the Jews house the desolate house no longer the house of God Uh, the temple of God now uh, really being carried as it were in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and of course the temple was organized around the Ark of the Covenant which was just a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ in the first place so who's greater uh, the one to whom the temple is was made by or the temple itself and of course the Lord had used that uh, teaching to try to bring the nation of Israel around but they would not hear him and of course the greater one is the one who builds the temple or better said the one for whom the temple is built so now we have uh, also Matthew chapter 27 and verse 51 where we can see what happened in the temple when the Lord Jesus Christ was uh, was crucified. Uh, here, well, we'll start with verse 45. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And there he uh, now quotes that entire psalm, as uh, uh, we believe he does. But he begins... Uh, uh, that psalm, we, we're not going there right now. It's a w- marvelous uh, study. Uh, some of them that stood by when they heard that said, This man calls for Elijah. Of course, that's uh, ignorant. And uh, straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost we learn elsewhere that he said father into thy hands i commend my spirit we also know that he said it is finished uh, <clears throat> many wonderful things the lord said from the cross there but we want to see verse 51 behold the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks split so and the graves were open after his resurrection uh the, uh, excuse me, and uh, the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. Notice that that's when they came out and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. So those graves sat open for a couple of days, a few days, while the Lord was in his tomb. They opened up at his crucifixion. Out came others after his resurrection. But 
Here we want to focus on this other event that took place. The veil of the temple was rent in two from top to the bottom. So this is a signification that the holiest place is now open. Of course, the Jews, with their house left to them desolate, have to go hire some people to try to piece that baby back together, stitch it up. It must have been a thing to behold uh, as the remembrance of the splitting of that thing top to bottom must have been in front of everybody who saw it. Now we turn also to the book of Acts. And as we're tracing uh, this, uh, this uh, cir- circumstances of the temple, we're going to look at Acts chapter 7. It's very interesting what Stephen says to uh, the, the Jews. Of course, they're so distraught by what he says uh, that they murder him. Uh, but here's what he tells him, and you would think that the Jews would not need to be told. He tells them, our fathers had, in verse 44, our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. Now that's a quick uh, summary of the house of God in the nation of Israel. How be it? Now here's what he says in verse 48, and uh, this, I'm sure, landed on ears that didn't want to hear it. Howbeit the Most High dwells not in temples made with hands, as said the prophet, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do you." Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them, which showed before the coming of the just one, whom you have now been the betrayers and murderers? So when they heard the, and he says, who have received the law by the disposition of angels, and you have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. They cried with a loud voice, stopped their ears, ran upon him with one accord, cast him out of the city, city and stoned him. And so here is now the uh, uh, preaching of Stephen coming to a summary end with his murder. And what was he focusing on? He was focusing on the fact that God does not, God does not abide, and God will does not abide in temples made with hands. And so here now he's telling them, you've just got this building, kind of a high rent place, and it has nothing to do with God. What does have to do with God? Well, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the chief head and cornerstone of a new building a building made without hands, made out of living stones, built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. Now, not all this in view in Stephen's speaking, but this all in view to us in the epistle of the Ephesians. We'll be right back in a minute. This is John Malone. You're listening to BibleStudy.net. So I think as we study the, the use of the temple and the development of the temple, 
uh, through the book of Acts. We saw it there with Stephen. We saw that was a place where, uh, uh, whereby when he referenced the condition that it was in and the truth about it, uh, they stoned him to death uh, in the in the general precincts of it. Well, they dragged him outside the city, stoned him to death outside the gates where he suffered just where the Lord did outside the gates of the city, just as we are uh, to do so. Uh, we go out uh, outside bearing his reproach. We go. We are called out of the world, bearing his reproach, and uh, we suffer with him, just as David was outside the city when he was in the cave at Adullam, and everyone who was distressed, and everyone who was depressed, and everybody who was in debt, these went out to meet with David and became the mighty men under David of God. Same analogy. Well, now we come to Acts chapter 21, and we see here in Acts 21 uh, an awful thing. We see in Acts 21 uh, the Apostle Paul, who was trying to get along uh, there at Pentecost time uh, in Jerusalem, his last visit to Jerusalem. And you remember when the, it reads, verse 27, When the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place. And further brought Greeks also into the temple and has polluted this holy place. So there are a bunch of liars and scoundrels, but there are plenty around to believe these liars and scoundrels. And verse 30 says, And all the city was moved, and the people ran together. And they took Paul and drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. Now, of course, this is, uh, took quite a number of men to shut those doors. These are the big doors uh, leading uh, probably into the court of the women. Uh, this, what, this is what uh, we, we think. These are where the huge gates uh, are. Uh, and they're, they're shutting off the temple because the people who uh, uphold this temple so much are going to commit murder. Uh, at least they want to. They try to. The Romans stop them. They're going to murder the one who's trying to tell them about the one who's greater than the temple, about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says here these ominous words, these the, the doors were shut. Now we've had the, the, the temple veil was rent, and now the doors are shut. So what good is the place? Well, it's good for nothing but to be torn down, and not one stone will be left upon another. And in 70 A.D., that exactly happens. Well, the Apostle Paul goes from this experience to write the epistle to the Ephesians that we are now studying. And in Ephesians chapter 2, we see the replacement of the temple by uh, the better temple, or the one that's not built with hands, uh, the building that is fitly framed together and fashioned unto a holy temple in the Lord, verse uh, chapter 2, verse 21, in whom you are also builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, whereas God replaced that physical temple with the temple made out of living stones, and we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2 about that in a minute, Whereas God has replaced that temple with a temple of a different kind, with a spiritual temple built out of his people, not, not made with hands, uh, not made out of dead stones, but made out of living stones, himself being the head 
of the corner or the chief cornerstone, whereas he's doing that and he's replaced the temple with that during this dispensation, he has not replaced Israel with the church, but he has replaced Israel with a new creation, new man in Christ, uh, as the vehicle through which men will be taught of God. And uh, it is comprised of new men in Christ, both former Jews and former Gentiles, now one new man in Christ. That is what God is doing in this dispensation. Now, I say the word replaced because uh, I'm playing, I'm making a play on words of a false theology called replacement theology, which says that, that somehow the church is in Israel's place. The church is in the heavenly places, a much better place than the nation of Israel, which is earthly, and God hasn't cast off his people. He will take up the nation of Israel once again here on this earth. But God's doing a better thing right now in heaven, and he's got a heavenly people, and we'll see that uh, as taught by the apostle Peter in his epistle, First uh, Peter, and we turn to the uh, to 1 Peter, the second chapter, to read about that, where uh, uh, he says marvelous things to us here, and we'll read it. Uh, wherefore, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, having, Wherefore, having put away all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word of God, uh, that you may grow there, thereby, if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming, now here he's talking about the gracious Lord, to whom coming as a living, sto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. So here it says we come to the Lord Jesus. He is a living stone, and uh, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Now this has to do with the the fact that the cornerstone was the stone which the builders uh, rejected. This one has become the head of the corner. This is a prophecy. We're going to get to that. Let's just read uh, now First uh, Peter 2, uh, verse 5. You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believes on him should not be ashamed. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy." Now he says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Now this epistle specifically written to the Jews, who uh, believing Jews who were Christians, to the believers who were formerly Jews that were in the diaspora or who were in the uh, aftermath 
of the chasing out of the Jews uh, out throughout the Roman Empire. And this happened before the destruction of the temple, and it continued after the destruction of the temple. Certainly this epistle uh, written before the uh, destruction of the temple, and by the way, written from Babylon, where apparently Peter uh, had traveled. And now he, he, he says to them, look, uh, this is what's happened. You're coming to a living stone. Don't attach yourself to the Jews' religion. Don't attach yourself to the temple site. It has nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ anymore. Uh, that He's been rejected, and the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. You come to this living stone, not to dead ones. Don't go up to Jerusalem anymore. That's what he's telling them. Don't go. You don't have to go up there anymore. Don't forget about it. You come to the living stone who's chosen of God. You are also a living stone built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Now he says this to every believing Jew. No more Levitical priesthood. In fact, every believer is part of the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. God is doing a new thing. God is no longer doing that old thing. So the good news is that God is doing a new thing in Jesus Christ. He's got a more excellent way. He's, we have access to the most holy place through him as if he just died for our sins. And the further good news is that he's not doing the old thing anymore. And those are both pieces of the good news. He's doing a new thing, and he's not doing the old thing anymore. This now, told, he tells these Jewish believers, you in time past were not a people. Very interesting here. He says, you are rejected, of course, uh, by the nation of Israel. Uh, they say you're dead to us. They say you're no longer a Jew. True enough. You're no longer part of them. You are now part of something new. You're, a, not, you're now a, a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Well, of course, this refers now not to a Levitical priest who had no royalty, but this refers to the Melchizedekian priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ, Melchizedek being a greater one than Abraham, therefore greater than Levi, and being a king and priest. So here he says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Here's the only place where uh, the house of God, as it's constituted uh, today, coming into constitution here, is called uh, a holy nation. Here it says a peculiar people. This is now a people for possession, a people for God's possession. This harkens back to the same thought that we are his inheritance in Ephesians chapter 2. Well, there's a lot to be said, of course, about the epistle of 1 Peter, which we're not studying fully and in its context. So let's come back. We're trying to show the harmony of what God is doing here in Ephesians 2 with the rest of Scripture, and we're doing that by looking at the rejection of the temple itself as a building structure and God's new work. Now we come back here to Ephesians 2, and we look upon uh, verse 21, in who, uh, it, it, where, where we see Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner, verse 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together. Now this is interesting here. It's, uh, it's, it's every building of God. Now here it says every building, uh, in whom every building. So the idea is that the church is one, but the idea is also that the church is a plurality. 
Now that's because there is envisioned also the local church, or the church local, which is the only place where the body of Christ is given real expression. The church in general, all the believers of every age who've been in Christ, cannot be given a unified expression except dispensationally and historically to the world. The living expression has to be the local church. We cannot practice anything but the local church. We know that those who are in Christ of all ages comprise the body of Christ dispensationally. But today, if you want to talk about the body of Christ operationally, don't talk about the American church. Don't talk about the church of this day. Let's talk about our local churches. Every building, that's what it says here, every building is fitly framed or perfectly put together. Uh, this is harmoniously fitted together is what this means. It means that it's, it's put together with a design in mind. It's harmoniously put together and grows, grows together uh, uh, unto a holy temple in the Lord. And so there is to be a growth. There's supposed to be a harmonious fitting together in the local church and also a growth that is uh, makes it a holy temple. Now men are after uh, growth without harmony and men are after treaty. Uh, growth here is a harmonious growth. We know there is a growth that is not of God. We know that there is a growth that is of God. A harmonious growth as every one of the stones is fitly framed together according to the design of God. Uh, as we told those with whom we uh, are in fellowship in a local church, Miller Community Church, as we told them at the outset, we will do what we're supposed to do, and you do what you're supposed to do, and that, that, that way we will get along together as God will give us each one direction. And of course, this is God's church. This is the house of God, which in First Timothy is said to be the church of the living God, the pillar in support of the truth. And more than that, it says in verse two, uh, 22, In whom, that is in Christ, you are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. God himself will attend his church, done his way with his people. Well, that's what we have to say about the temple and the development. We trust that this study of Ephesians is helping you in your Christian life personally, is helping you to enjoy your scripture, and also we pray especially that this will help you in your local church. You've been listening to BibleStudy.net, and I'm John Malone. May God bless your meditation in his word, especially your reading of the epistle to the Ephesians.